Hey, what's going on, guys? Happy Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll get started in a minute. I just uh, shared the link again, so I'm going to give everyone a second or two to hop on. <clears throat> Hopefully, you guys are doing well. See a few familiar people. It's a beautiful day where I am. Hopefully, you guys have some nice weather as well. This is like one of my favorite times of the year. It is like the spring to summer transition and then the fall to winter transition. That like nice middle ground, not too hot, not too humid. It's not the heat, right? It's the humidity. If you live anywhere where it's humid, it's not the heat. It's the humidity when you just absolutely can't like, can't breathe. Um, and then the fall is, the fall might be honestly one of my favorites. The fall probably, I, I can't say one of your favorite times of the year because I mean, shit, there's four seasons, right? Um, but I think the fall might... Uh, the fall might take the gold, but every time it gets to the fall, I end up saying the spring. So who cares? Who knows? Anyway. All right, cool. So, uh, for anyone who is just joining in, thank you for joining. If you're not subscribed already and if you're not following, please follow the show. Please follow my profile as well. Um, I've been a lot more consistent with Colin. Uh, I plan on sticking, um, with Colin. I think it's a, a phenomenal platform. Now they're, you know, integrated with everything, which is, which is what you have to, you have to be and what people come to expect. So on Apple, on Spotify, right? <clears throat> um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and now available for people to call in on any phone. So Android or iPhone. Uh, so before we get started, I mean, everyone knows who I am. If you don't, uh, just read the profile. <laughs> um, I feel like I, I'm not used to like, I'm still not used to streaming and, and doing like podcasts. Like sometimes I'm like, should I introduce myself again? But then I'm like, well, if you don't know who I am, like it's on you. So I, I don't know. I got to get consistent. I probably should create like an intro. I should probably write down a little script, but I, I don't like scripts. I want to kind of just riff. Um, so anyway, you know the deal, not financial advice, just my opinion, you know, my looking at the market through my lens uh we open it up though right it's not we don't have to just talk about markets um you know going over the, over the summer it's probably going to be more compelling to talk about some other things outside of markets you know there are things that i don't want to touch on or even approach and uh you know these are things that they cause family fights and that's you know politics and religion so we'll keep those um sidelined but we could talk about anything like if you guys want to talk about like listen anything uh, I'm willing to sit on here for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and shoot the shit over it. So, um, yeah. Uh, is there anything else that I wanted to briefly touch on? If you're not following already on YouTube, make sure that you follow on YouTube as well. So, uh, the block Roots channel every Tuesday, every Thursday, 1 PM this week kind of got a little bit of wrench thrown in. So I went and, uh, I took my wife to her first appointment for the sonogram. That was a, a really important moment for me. I definitely needed to be there for her um, and myself, right? Very big moment. Uh, and then I think yesterday, I literally just dropped the ball. Like, it, and I, so it's, it's gonna be a funny story and then we'll, we'll open it right up and briefly touch on some points. But um, yesterday I just completely dropped the ball. Like the, the, we got to like, I think four o'clock in the afternoon and I thought, holy shit, I completely forgot the call. And today something really funny happened. So my wife has a, um, she has a horse event. Like once in a while, they have these big hunts, these big horse events. And uh, usually they're at this estate. This woman, like she, I think her family is like the creators of like nylon or something. I don't know. She's, she's well past like even knowing the people that acquired the wealth that she now, you know, 
is able to take advantage of. But um, they usually have this event at this beach in this like park right on the water. So I had to go there today and I'm like going to help out and like be a good husband and like be the person at the line who like jots down what time people come in. And I drove all the way to this place. It's a far trip. And then I got there and I realized I was in, I was in like, just, I, I was on cruise control and, and just, I, I didn't even think about the fact that it wasn't at this place today. It was completely on the other side of the island. And I just, I don't know, my brain just went, you know, how you, when you're driving, it's like a form of meditation, right? You almost get to a place and you're thinking, holy shit, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you like the drive. Um, so anyway, big wrench in my morning, but uh, we're here now. So um, really quickly, we had, uh, what was yesterday? Uh, was it non-farm payroll yesterday? More jobs. Um, numbers coming in really good, right? Uh, you know, depending on who you talk to. I, I don't want to get too far into the macro because it's not my area of confidence. But the numbers are not saying like, you know, screaming recession or screaming uh, a really weak economy. So I had a few conversations with people in some of these chats. And some of them are like pretty high level portfolio managers and macro guys. And they're playing like uh, mental gymnastics with this and saying like, oh, well, now this is good. And the market's going to respond positively to this now because, you know, now this means that uh, now the market's going to start interpreting, uh, you know, the lack of a recession as a positive sign and start, you know, getting long or something. I don't know. That's we're, we're not there yet. Right. We're still in a uh, non-accommodative environment. Fed is still, you know, pretty gung ho about throwing uh, what they have at the market. Until that kind of explicitly changes, even though that kind of leaves out a good amount of alpha, right? Because it's like, well, if you're waiting for an explicit change, you're going to be a little late versus what? Someone who can interpret the language a little bit more accurately and, and pick up on when they're, you know, subtly pivoting. Um, what I will say is, though, that they clearly like left themselves an out, right? By basically saying, hey, you know, something along the lines of whether they're going to pull off or skip a hike. Um, they gave themselves an out. But I don't think that people should hang on that because it's going to be, a, you know, you're going to start expecting it, Right. And then it might not be the case that we even have that this year. So not really much has changed. And it, it's, we're not, we're not at a, in a place yet where good news is good for markets, right? I don't think that we're in a place yet where good news for the economy is good news for markets because good news for the economy, again, we still have inflation that's very high. So we have CPI coming up. That's on the 10th. Um, and that's going to be very important. I think if it's still in line, it's going to be a net negative for markets. Until that really starts to change, like good news is bad news, right? Because good news is, hey, we still, um, you know, we're still good to play. You know, it's like you played, uh, I played football and lacrosse. Like you get your clock cleaned, you take one to the dome and you go to the sidelines and your coach is like, no, nah, you're good. You can go back in there and play. Like that's basically where the economy is if we have good data coming through. Now, depending on, you know, who you're talking to, they could, you know, pick, pick and point out some things that are clearly, they're, they're not good, but as far as the Fed's concerned, they're looking at it and saying, oh, things look all right, right? So um, BTC hanging around in basically the same spot, you know, for the last couple of days. Uh, very, it's, it's pretty choppy, right? Pretty choppy the last couple of days. But, you know, one thing, uh, we're, we're back within the center of a range. So we're back within fair value for what was like 17 days. Um, and then we had a poke up above. Didn't get the full extension back down towards the lows. So price broke down, but it was accepted right back in the meat of things. So, you know, point of control is pretty obvious at this point. It's kind of, you know, the entire structure since, you know, May 9th is, is pretty focused in this one little region that we're in right now. Um, so not a very good area to get in position with any kind of certainty, unless you're really zooming out and you're saying, okay, this is a really good contextual level on the high time frame. you know, from like a weekly 
not a monthly chart because the monthly chart's broken down, but a daily, weekly, you look at it and you look at it like on a slightly higher resolution, you could start saying, oh, we're kind of like still hanging out around, you know, slightly under, but around last year's lows during the summer. Um, but from like an intraday standpoint, which is most of my focus is on the short I justify getting into a position right here. Uh, the short opportunity was great when we reapproached the value area high the other day. Ended up banging that. Was looking for the long, honestly, at first because it looked like maybe we were going to squeeze up, but we lost momentum. Uh, so I ended up banging on a short. Wasn't too much behind that thinking, other than that I was just going to take the risk. Uh, but one thing I'll point out, and then I'll open it up. So, so Solana. I don't know if Solana, Solana uh, you know, kind of has this slight bottoming-looking structure right now. Um, you know, it has basically like a, a two drive, but a three drive structure. If you consider the May 28th, May 27th, um, this looks like how you would want it to look if you were looking for a short term play, right? It's, it's very well defined. Uh, you know, the next major level is it's considerably lower, but at least from a local standpoint, like you could tag on a position here, give it a little bit of breathing room and you could justify taking it now. It all depends on BTC though, right? So it depends on BTC. And the one thing I'll point out before I open it up is Bitcoin, it has the most uncanny resemblance. Like it, if you look at, I mean, if you look at December 7th or December 6th up to, we'll say January 1st, it almost looks like where we are right now is either January 1st or January 2nd within that previous structure. And I know it's really dangerous to look at candlesticks and just pick up patterns and whatnot because you're looking at something that has four data points and it's very fractal, right? So, you know, it's, it, it, it's very easy to see things that are their patterns. They look like patterns. They look like they're meaningful and that they should, you know, lead to some kind of outcome based on previous patterns that look very similar. But uh, we've seen how many times that's not the case, but in this context, right, nothing really has changed for the benefit of BTC still very correlated to the S and P. So, if the S&P remains, you know, a little bit sketchy and we see futures open on Sunday going into cash cash Monday and things are not looking good, um, I would just bet on this resolving similarly to how it did in de- from December to January, which is pushing down towards the wick, which we have not really uh, re we have not reengaged yet. I think I've just uh, <laughs> I've seen Top Gun too recently that, you know, reengaged has become part of my trading vernacular. But um we are not going to interdict because it is not re-engaging the lows yet. <laughs> but, uh, you know, more than likely, if this is a larger bottom anyway, we're going to spend a lot of time moving sideways. And we should we should tap the lows, honestly, a few times. There's no rule that says, like, you know, if it's the bottom, it means that you shouldn't tap it multiple times. And that if it taps multiple times, it has to go lower. Right. When, when it's at a bottom, it's an accumulation structure. It takes a long time. Um so yeah, anyway, those are my, that's my, I guess, few points that I want to touch on. There's no major offside positioning yet. Nothing that I could see. Last thing I'll point out is that there is someone who's of considerable size that has been sitting in Binance bid. Few players popping up on Coinbase. We're talking like people that are probably in CT, you know, 250, 500 BTC positions, which now is, that's a lot of money, right? But after a two-year bull run, like I know plenty of people that were basically just shared memes the entire bull run and have like, no joke, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars, right? And they were just, it's not like, you know, they, they held onto the money, but I wouldn't look at, it's important to know you might be pointing out a, a spoof or a person who's present on the bid and you don't know that you're pointing out literally like Pentoshi. Right. And, and no, nothing against Pintoshi. I love Pintoshi. 
But that's what I'm saying, right? It's, you know, a whale size is probably what we've seen consistently in the thousand plus BTC range, you know, but even that, that's like, you know, we saw 1300 BTC on the bid yesterday, consistently on Binance sitting at like, it was like 29,500. That's like $45 million roughly um, back of the envelope math that uh, was getting hit into. So that's good. You're seeing that they actually have intent to transact, but who knows what that could be? That's Binance spot, but it's a, it's a margin product. Could be closing out a position. Could be, yes, could be opening up a position. Um, but we saw a bunch of them get chewed through previously. So it's a good sign that they want to transact. Um, that's considerable size. And yeah, this whole area could end up being a bottom that if anyone's large enough, they can't just mark it in. If you marketed it in yesterday, that 45 million bucks would have taken, taken us up to like 31,000. So that's, you know, three, four, 5% slippage. Anyway, I want to open it up. Um, first caller, Brian, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Um, I wanted to talk about that, uh, thread you quote tweeted earlier about the, uh, legislation. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because, um, you know, with, with them talking about, oh, like all old coins should be securities and all, and all this stuff, like. I, I don't know how they're going to pass stuff like that with like, you know, them approving Coinbase for IPO. I, I don't know how like a company like Coinbase would survive if like Bitcoin was like the only traded, you know, asset on there. Um, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts. I know that was like under a different SEC uh, chair. I know that was under Jay Clayton and not Gensler, but it just yeah. seems like all these Bitcoin people, when they talk about like, you know, Bitcoin should be the only thing like traded, like everything else should be a security and like, you know, no. I, I don't know. It seems it's like, so what are you going to do? Like kill Coinbase and then like all the people who invest in Coinbase get screwed. And then like, I don't know. No, I mean, so real quick, like Bitcoin is clearly, I mean, it falls under, it's a commodity basically. Like everyone pretty much, you know, crypto's property, but BTC definitely falls under the, the, uh, you know, the framework of being a commodity. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why, like I could go on YouTube, I could say on this podcast right now, and I could literally say to you guys like, Hey, you guys should sell your cars. You guys should fuck off on your children's college education and you should buy Bitcoin. And I could say that because with commodities, it's not that's not regulated. Like that's that's completely that's you know, that is acceptable. And then it's also if like you're talking to a large amount of people, you're not giving specific advice anyway. You're talking to like it's called the newsletter. It's like a newsletter statute. But anyway, BTC definitely is commodity. Right. So there's a lot of other things that are, you know, it's they're in this kind of weird gray area. I'll just give you the good uh, real quick. So I talked to a lot of people. Um, and so after I posted that, someone who I, I won't name, but they're probably one of the, the five biggest people that are in the crypto market, uh, or we'll say like top 10 or top five. But if I said them, everyone would be like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like I'm going to listen to what they have to say. Like they're trustworthy and they know what they're talking about. They have a pretty good, uh, finger to the pulse with these things. Um, they told me right away, they're like, nah, you know, everybody I know says that the bills, it doesn't even stand a chance. Like it's dead in the water right now. Um, Cynthia Loomis, right? She's been like, she's a maxi, basically. A lot of people that are supportive of it are, are maxi. So they kind of stand to gain something, but you have plenty of people that are, you know, they believe in everything outside of Bitcoin and honestly are, are not big proponents of Bitcoin. And I think that it's a pretty biased bill. And I think that it, again, just from talking to people that are more in the know than I am, I just share these things, right? Like I like to share things and get kind of feedback because it's a lot of stuff I don't know. So by sharing it, it's like I'm using my platform to like almost teach myself sometimes. Um, so with this, I, I from my, from the feedback I've gathered, it's basically dead in the water. It's, it has no chance of passing. 
Um, and yeah, it is, it is pretty biased and who knows what that would mean for, you know, uh, something like Coinbase, but you know, then you have FTX, which is going about everything the right way and, and making, you know, friends, uh, higher up in, in, you know, politics and, um, rubbing shoulders with the right people and, and padding pockets and, you know, and probably would be, uh, you know, favored and from a regulatory standpoint, um, because they've had sort of a, uh, head start on this. Coinbase has a lot of issues right now. So to be yeah. honest, uh, you know, that's like one thing to add to the many. I, I, I feel like they will, um, like a, there'll be a lot of penalties thrown out to certain, you know, projects that are securities and there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, regulatory things, regulatory um, burdens that are applied, but um, they'll make it possible for these things to, to integrate in the long term. Uh, it'll just be costly and it'll be, you know, it'll, it, it won't be as um, uh, easily, I guess, accessible the way crypto is now, where it's just like open and very, um, you know, there's really not a whole lot of uh, middlemen that step in the way. I mean, unless you're on, but again, K, Coinbase is basically a KYC platform anyway. So they, their next step would to have some kind of securities license or, uh, you know, brokerage license to, to integrate those security products. So. Right. So I guess like, uh, I guess like some like altcoins being labeled as securities wouldn't be like a, like, I guess like a death blow necessarily. Nah. And it, so I it guess would that, be I, for, it would probably be for like altcoins that are, you know, that they, that can't kind of uh, muster up the capital to probably deal with some penalties and, and uh, requirements that are costly from a capital standpoint. Um, yeah. So I yeah, think you, a lot of them would die from that. Yeah. And you brought up FTX, which I was going to bring up too. Uh, and yeah. And I feel like they're, you know, obviously like they're getting into like stocks and other things now, but uh, I mean, I'm sure they want to keep like, they have an interest in keeping like alt the altcoin market alive and things like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've obviously spent a lot of money on lobbying and things. Hopefully that stuff kind of pays off, but I guess we'll see. I think it will, but I think it's going to be like, I think the market's going to get slaps on the wrist and they'll have to go through that. Like, you know, they're the gatekeepers. Um, yeah. What What is good is like uh, for a lot of things that are commodities, we won't really have to hear about like Gensler and his kind of uh, his crusade against crypto, because honestly, the SEC shouldn't have um, shouldn't have oversight for a majority of things that they kind of uh, wish, I guess, that they did have oversight over. You know, it'd be the CFTC or, you know, yeah. just, you know, completely different entity. Maybe crypto would have its own. So who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like uh, how that Ripple case resolves too, because I feel like that'll have some some influence. It'll be some like uh, you know settled law on that, I guess. So yeah, it would set precedent, which is you know could be good. So yeah, so yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. You posted that earlier, and I was uh, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I like I knew like Cynthia Loomis is very like pro Bitcoin and stuff, but I mean I I, yeah. I see where they're coming from to an extent, but like. I don't know. I feel like Sailor just has, you know, a little bit of bias with what things he says. If you listen to him, I don't know. But yeah, totally. He definitely does. He's a fucking madman. <laughs> but all right, man. Good talking to you. All right. Good talking to you, man. Enjoy your weekend. Yep. You too. All right. Illmatic. What's up, buddy? Illmatic, you there? Yeah, I'm trying to talk. I don't know if you can hear me. It's yeah. Nice I can. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> One of the best of all time. Actually, it's yes. the best in my opinion. It but is. um, so I've been in this space for a while, right? And I saw your tweet that spoke about people who've been here for multiple cycles are of the opinion that we're going to like 10 to 12, right? Or something along those lines, 10 to 14. Yeah. And you said something along the lines of like, you're of the opinion that 
uh, 25 was the quote unquote bottom, right? Do I have that wrong or? No, no, that's definitely not my, uh, not my opinion. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, it's just, I, I see, I, I don't know. It's like, I, the question I asked, right, when, the, and this cycle pretty much played out almost like every other cycle for the most part, um, outside of like the rounded top, is where are the new flows going to come from if this is like the actual bear market bottom, right? Like, I don't think we've seen capitulation, especially on BTC. Derivatives is dead. Um, yeah. Like real capitulation is spot, right? Um, right? I just don't think we've seen anything that can tell us that we're at a high time frame bottom. There's no narrative change. There's nothing. And yet a lot of people are really confident this is the bottom. Like I speak to actual funds and they're buying BTC right now trying yeah. to hold it, praying that this is the bottom. And yeah, I, 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 it's very iffy. It's just, I just wanted no, to know yeah. your thoughts. So, I mean, you have a, a lot of different things to think about. I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about like what has been historical precedent for BTC. So yeah. they lean on technicals like, oh, you know, it's never broken past the previous all-time high. And it's like, well, you know, it only had two, so, <laughs> or two or three, right? I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's a very limited sample size. It's like N of 12, right? Um, and then there's the 200 weekly moving average, which is a good dynamic support level yeah. that it's always held. Uh, I, honestly, there are a lot of signs that they're bottom signs, right? But one thing to understand, similar to the top signs, the top signals, right? If you look at our top versus like previous tops, this kind of top is what a yeah. top looks like when there's institutional presence, presence and there's rebalancing and there's yeah. uh, no moment, crazy momentum blow off top. So one thing is like, there are a lot of signs up at the top, like for over a year, right? I mean, yeah. for, for at least months, like we had the stadium effect, we had the magazine effect, like these are actual like labeled as, as effects, right? Like these are things that happened during the dot-com bubble. Okay. And they're kind of like canaries in the coal mine, but they're, they have like a really long half-life. Like you don't know exactly when it's not like, Oh, okay. You know, Sam is on a, Sam's on the cover of Time Magazine, sell everything. It's like, well, you know, this could last for a while and shit, you know, this is a, one thing to at least pay attention to when there's, you know, an abundance of them. So we have that actually at the bottom by a lot of measures. Like we have funds blowing up, you know, uh, the, uh, people being carried out of the market from the Luna fiat, you know, the, the Luna meltdown. We have um, complete uh, sort of alienation of crypto by like the traditional media types. Crypto actually was just like, I, this is kind of silly, but it, it has been actionable in the past because it kind of represents like the final people getting on board with what trend has already been in, in place. Um, so like when you see like your friends and your you know peers who have no business in markets coming to you and asking about crypto, you know like, okay, it's obvious to everybody now. Where yeah. Are, so this is probably the top. But I, I, I sold so it on 60 because my friend literally came up to me and was talking about like the whole doge and all that. Uh, and I was like, dude, yeah, this I is had, done. I had people literally, I like, you can ask my wife, I was going out and meeting people for lunch that I knew what it was going to be about that I hadn't talked to in years, yeah. but I knew they were going to ask about crypto. And I was, and I told them, I said, listen, like you're kind of a top sign. I feel bad telling you that. So I, I don't know what to tell you, but either way, they're, they're the Barron's magazine cover is pretty funny because Barron's is actually 2017, December, um, April, 2021 and October, 2021. They were basically like long side proponents, like talking about the bull run and the promise of crypto. 
they just posted a magazine cover saying something along the lines of like icy winter, you know, basically kind of like a, a death knell for crypto. So these kind of things are good, but it, they don't mean like, hey, price can't move lower. It just means like, oh, you know, start paying attention. It means like, you know, there's a lot of blood in the streets and like maybe we're coming close to a turning point. The, the biggest like uh, elephant in the room and, and like the driver of everything right now, though, because crypto is not, you know, behaving idiosyncratically anymore, is equities. So if the S&P drops 10%, crypto is a multiple yep. of like three to three to four. So yep. a, like a multi-sigma move in the S&P, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't like extrapolate linearly for BTC at that point. It's not like, oh, okay, you know, we drop 10% BTC, we're just going to drop, we're going to just drop like, you know, 30% now in crypto. The, the more insane the move is, like a crazy VIX spike, you know, ridiculous move, that move is just going to be exacerbated in crypto. And any, I would say... And I was talking to actually uh, people, a couple people in a chat about this today. One of them was GCR and it's talking about if the S&P drops another 10% crypto, you know, BTC is going under its prior all time high. Like it's kind of a yes. no brainer. Not even and that, that is the constant right now, right? The constant and the rule is that we are, you know, we are at the whim of equities. Um, so it is a new, it's a new market though, because of that. So you have to think like, there are people, honestly, there is a lot of sideline money. There's a lot of money that's just waiting for other people to get confident and start buying again. There's a lot of people that are in stable coins. There's a lot of funds that are in cash. Um, but that doesn't mean it has to turn right now, right? And the, I, I guess the other thing to touch on is like, one thing that is clear is like every asset manager, every fast money, you know, type hedge fund, they saw what happened in March, 2020, right? They saw how this market responded when, when liquidity was ripe and when we were risk on. So there are a lot of people that don't want to miss out on that opportunity again, but it has to come from a shift in the Fed's, you know, Fed policy or at least Fed language and where risk assets really benefit again. And like recently, you know, with yesterday, um, yesterday's numbers or is day prior, I'm losing track of time. Uh, the yield started going up again, which is not a good sign. Right, because then people are still selling bonds. I know the Fed obviously is, is obviously one of the biggest participants, but it doesn't show like the kind of fear that we want to see where people get into bonds, yields come down. Um, at, the last thing I'll say, though, is I, I kind of forgot this point. Um, there are like framework, there are there is plumbing that's built in now that's making it more accessible for the kind of people that help during these larger drawdowns, which are like your passive indexers, your people that are just long only asset managers that just want kind of like incremental exposure over time. And ideally, you know, when the markets as a whole find some kind of base, those flows will be more significant and we'll see kind of that, um, you know, that passive approach when crypto is more readily, you know, available in 401ks and, you know, retirement accounts, pension funds, it just, it's, Some, it's still, it's still kind of early, I guess, in a sense. So, I, I think so too. Um, I, 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 I've been of the thesis that the bear markets in this space are probably going to get longer because most participants are like extremely down the risker from the start. Usually it's like BTC, then ETH and alts or just BTC and then alts. And like, um, people didn't really start this cycle in BTC. And now you have like all these VC overhangs who are in like a hundred X profit, regardless of whatever alt you're in. It could be right. down 90% and they're, they will gladly sell into any giving liquidity. Anybody's willing to buy, they'll dump into you because they're up multiples. So like the average participant in this space is just going to get crucified. 
the whole way through, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So with, my with, oh sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was just I was just I was just like running through my thoughts. Um, the thing that I came to a conclusion, and someone else mentioned this as well. I think one of the big things that people are overlooking is um, if equities truly do go to shit, right? Um, something that's really big in that space is like passive flow, as you were saying, right? Passive money, passive, yeah. um, any, anything passive that they, they love. Um, the ETH carry trade is something that a lot of people aren't thinking about, where like you could capture a lot of yield without really much risk outside of funding. And even that there's, there's essentially no risk to it at all. And yeah, I feel like outside of that or ETF, I don't know where new flows are going to come from outside of just people who are sidelined if the if the Fed doesn't turn around. And I don't think they will. I don't think they have a reason to. I feel like the numbers that came out recently, I'll give them more leeway to go harder inflation, not softer. Yeah, it does. It gives them more runway for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think the like expecting any kind of turnaround in the short term is, you know, it's um, it's very. Uh, it's very hopeful. Um, but like, you know, one other thing just to touch on is that like bear markets and equities are considerably shorter than bull markets. You know, we could be talking about, and I know it sounds like a long time for most people, but I'm kind of like, oh, well, that's be kind of a nice period off. Um, you know, maybe we're doing this for a year. Maybe we're doing this for a year and a half, two years. But I, I still think like the long term, uh, you know, I think long term, Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to be sort of trending up um, and will at least have positive drift. But uh, at that point, it's like the risk adjusted returns might not be as attractive, right? Because it's not, it's no longer like that you're looking at possibly multiples um, and the, uh, you know, the value proposition of BTCs, it's to still, to some people, it's still like, even though it comes with like the ability for you to custody your own money and, you know, place your bank, whatever, yada, 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 the like risk that comes along with that as well might not make it as compelling of an investment because the upside is not necessarily as compelling anymore either. But um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's something that I always will have a, a piece of, but uh, I definitely can't see myself like unhedging or getting back into the market um, probably within, you know, uh, with meaning like being just completely exposed. I have, obviously I have, you know, some exposure uh, that is cold, but for the most part, I'm mostly hedged, but I can't really see like, honestly, taking my, putting my foot back on the gas pedal, like, a, you know, maybe like earliest end of this year, Q4. Otherwise it just doesn't seem, yeah. it seems way too hopeful, right? Where, where do you think people will step in to defend it? Like this is the last area. I feel like, and I personally, I'm speaking for myself. I feel like that's around 10 to 14 K. And yeah, the only I, reason why I say that is because cyclically, that's the area where it is. It's roughly around where miners break even. I think the yeah. minor break even cost is about 9.9. And usually past cycles, that's where they kind of step in and they start buying up and then they hold bull markets. And yeah, so I don't know. I feel like that's give or take. That From like an, a structure standpoint, like the, the prior all-time high at 19 something is not a real, yeah. you know, it's a level, it's a level based on psych, you know, psychology, people, you know, just from psychology yeah. standpoint, but from a substance standpoint and just actual time at the level, the most obvious area looks like between uh, like, you know, 10 and like 13, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that's a meaty area. And that's, you know, again, that kind of coincides with previous drawdown levels, but you know, maybe because of the slightly different presence in this market, we have a little bit more of like people that are buying because of value 
you know, like in equities, you have people that are always going to be, you know, at a 20% drawdown at a 15% drawdown. Um, you have people that just reflexively get in because it's a long term, you know, but it's different when it's Apple, right? Because it's like, well, this is a great opportunity probably for Apple over the next 10 years, whereas in crypto, it's like, well, price is value. So uh, and the higher prices kind of get higher prices, lower prices get lower prices because everyone's like, well, I don't, don't, don't want to be the one. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to step in here. I'll wait for everyone else to step in. What do so. you what do you make of um what, sorry I I don't know what your thoughts are on equities do you think they'll bottom soon like I don't I don't see the Fed changing their course on inflation and if like if you remember the headlines like 2020 when COVID was happening where the U.S. economy was shut down stocks were still making all time highs and that's because of like and and I feel like almost all of those gains like in multiples are attributed to just the easy policy money of the Fed backstop right. It's like yeah, when you sure. remove when you remove that, it's like we got a long way down to go if the Fed really doesn't blink. And I don't think they will blink. So it's like how far down do you think equities will go? And then I mean the next right. area I would look to is probably like thirty two, thirty four. But I mean not for nothing. I I don't think they're gonna change course soon. Um I think that at some point, like when the index is battered enough, you have to remember that in the United States, the index is like the happiness index. It's a political tool yeah. for many. Um, you know, it's, you know, if, if it was Trump, it's even more because it's, <laughs> it's the thing that's referenced for, you know, it's the thing that's referenced from like a conceit standpoint. So I, I don't know how much there, the Fed put is clearly, it's not like a percent drawdown level anymore. It, it's a matter of like, has anything broken yet? And nothing is broken yet. So unless something breaks, there's no real reason for them to change course in the short term as long as inflation's still high. So unless they see a material change on that, there's no real reason. And they don't think that a recession is a real strong possibility. So there's no real reason for them to like pull off yet, I don't think. Um, but one other thing to know is like, yeah, like prices got really extended from value. They're just going to find value again. And then the stock market is you're it's kind of like the optimism index. It's like, are you betting against the United States of America or you bet, you know, we're talking about the S&P. So are you betting against the yeah. next 10, 15 years of the United States? Or are you betting for and you could always kind of price a better tomorrow, um, even if you have like a bunch of shitty days behind you. And that's the way I think of it. It's like we could be going through a long period of this, but long in a sense of maybe like a year or two. Uh, and then. You know, one thing about um, like rates in the United States versus like what happened in Japan is we have we have had a period where rates have been raised over the course of the last 15, 20 years um, just to ensure that markets could handle basically a new baseline. Whereas like Japan had like insanely low inflation where we had around two percent and their rates were always flatlined, whereas we've actually you know, only recently broke out of a trend of the last 30 years with the 10 year, uh, when it broke above like three, you know, three, three and a quarter. Um, but markets have gone up in much, in much tighter conditions, right? Like people, everyone yeah. right now buying homes, it's like, well, yeah, it sucks. Cause we had a period of like zero, you know, negative real rates and zero, you know, percent, you know, rates were flatlined and now they're like five and 6%, but they were five and 6%, like, over a decade ago, right? And before that, it was 10%. How, and before that, so, so I was gonna. So I was gonna say, like, markets have moved up before. They just they they'll move up in, I guess, a more honest fashion. It won't be that everything gets to. You don't. It's not like um, 
I, so I was talking to a, a guy today who's, he actually works at a clothing store I go to and he used to work for Bear Stearns, oddly enough. He was a managing director. I think he's retired, but he kind of just wants something to do. Um, and he was like, yeah, I just remember like you could just, you, you just throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and like everything has just gone up multiples. He's like, that's, you know, that's that everyone knows that that's not natural. So the markets are going to go back to being tougher, to being more value and, you know, less growth driven. Um, How less big is the discrepancy though, right? I feel like that discrepancy yeah. is, the key. I feel like that, that the distance between what's actually value and like where we are right now is a big gap. I don't think it's anywhere near there. It's probably back down at the last, uh, it's probably back down at the highest. Back that's COVID, exactly, right? exactly where I thought it was. Yeah, that's bring this up. It's like, yeah, we got to go touch the finish line again because we didn't, we didn't <laughs> we start. Didn't start yep. <laughs> so going back to 32, which, you know, from here, 32 is a 20% drawdown. So the scary thing is like, it, what you want to say is that that means, you know, usually, like I said, it's a multiple of three to four. So if we were being really generous, we would say, oh, maybe Bitcoin only drops double this time. So maybe it only drops 50%. That's very- To 50. Yeah, that's scary. But at the same time, there's another thing to remember, like a lot of the, so I have a couple of friends who work uh, OTC at some of the larger firms. And what they talk about is like the fast money and hedge fund types that have come in recently from legacy, they're very knee jerk. Like price comes back to near their entry and they get out. They have no, like, they're not trying to like yeah. become uh, indoctrined and hold. So it's possible that as we go lower, we just kind of shake out more of those people anyway and bring ourselves back to, you know, people that are still up multiples and, and are sort of like the VCs of, of Bitcoin and Bitcoin is mostly moving the rest of the market. So the good know, thing is there aren't that many though. Like if you think right. about it, most of them got in after 30. The only ones yeah. that got in before were like Kathy, but she was in since like 2015. Sailor who right. got in at like 11 initially, but his average is here, which is kind of right. scary. But um, And Elon, who got in around 32. There was one fund that got in in the 20s, but they sold immediately. But about yeah. aside from that, everyone else is above 30. So we're already right. under them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it's a very fun time it's a decent time for trading it's just a bad time for investing so right, thank you for the time bro. but well, i don't know thanks for calling in man you hopped off before i could uh, say bye all right we are going on 40 minutes christopher what's up man let me get you in here hey All what's up over here yeah. i'm good good hope good. you're good also um, I missed the first part of the call-in, but I wanted to ask, I saw the article you posted on Twitter today about the legislation for layer ones. Yeah. Did you touch on that or is yeah, that we bri- happy? Yeah, we briefly, oh, okay. briefly touched on it. You know, like Cynthia Loomis and a lot of people that are proponents of that bill, they're big, you know, they're basically Bitcoin maxis. They're big supporters of Bitcoin. Um, but what I mentioned in the beginning of the call-in, which is, I think, the, is something that people might find of value is that I've talked to a few people and one of the people that I that messaged me literally after I posted that, I won't name them, but they're, they're probably like one of the five biggest people in the crypto market and everyone knows them on crypto Twitter. And they are like, dude, this is dead in the water. It doesn't stand a chance. Um, so, I mean, what's going to happen is, and like we talked about how like Sam and FTX, they have a leg up already because they've kind of 
made friends in the right places. A, a lot of, I think what's going to happen is a lot of things that fall, because Bitcoin is definitely a commodity, right? So it's, you know, it, it, it's definitely a commodity. Like, like crypto is property, right? It's considered property now, at least from a tax standpoint, but Bitcoin is a commodity. Um, a lot of altcoins are clearly securities uh, or they're like a really fine line, which will not be, you know, they're, they're not going to, uh, rule in favor of the project, it's going to be that they're clearly securities um, for a majority of them. And I think that what happens is, you know, that there'll be fines that are, you know, levied out, there will be certain punishments doled out, um, exchanges will have to, you know, become more along the lines of like broker dealers and in, in, in uh, legacy. Um, and the projects that can kind of like put up the capital to deal with the you know, the slaps that come along with being a security, they will, they'll just have to do that. And the ones that can't will sort of, you know, begin to, to die off, but it's kind of like inevitable, right? The, the one thing I said though, is like the benefit is for the things that are commodities, um, maybe crypto will have its own like regulatory body that governs it. But for the things that are commodities, at least we won't have to hear about like Gensler, Gensler um, overstepping the line because he's the SEC and the SEC shouldn't have anything to do with anything that's a commodity. So, yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, though, like I said, I think more importantly, it's just it's more than likely that that bill is going to be dead. So. Uh, do you see that affecting the trading volume or anything in the future if they uh, apply different uh, rule sets for crypto? Um, I think that, you know, the way the market goes is just like the main exchanges are going to be more regulated. Um, a lot of them are already KYC, you know, and if you're signing up to trade stocks, you're already KYCing the same way you have to on Coinbase anyway. Uh, and I think that, you know, maybe the benefit is that like a lot of projects that um, are, you know, have capital stuck in them and are, you know, fall under sort of under unfavorable site by the SEC if they're deemed securities. Maybe that capital flows to projects that are, you know, lasting or BTC or ETH. And we just see like kind of a shuffling of capital. Uh, but it's like, it's weird because like crypto pro crypto protocols and tokens, they like never really die. And this might be a time when some of them do die. Um, because as long as like a protocol has what, like two computers, it could just continue to run, right? And these things stay stay on exchanges forever. And and as long as the network's up and they're on exchanges, like they're still tradable well after, you know, the project's like dead already. We've seen many things to trade and it's like, that's already dead. Like the, <laughs> that project's dead. Like it still just trades because people are gambling on it. But maybe we see that um, with more of that, you know, clarification, I think clarification's good too. Cause like if you trade stocks, if you trade commodities, futures, there's different taxing also. I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with that. There's, there's 60% of its tax that long, short-term, 40% is taxed at long-term. So it's, it's a better, it's favorable from a tax standpoint, if you're trading what is considered um, as a commodity future, just futures in general. So who knows if we'll get like that specific, but um, the, I guess, uh, what was I going to say? The benefit is, you know, things that are dead and, and are ruled against unfavorably and can't like put up the capital to deal with that process will probably, I guess, be removed from exchanges. So again, I think maybe that'll be net positive because money will have to flow somewhere else. So. I, uh, I was thinking that, but yeah, it's something just a bit worrying from the article that I've read that something strange might happen, but uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. And have a continuous nice weekend.
You too, Christopher. Good talking to you, man. Rap game. What's up, man? Let me get you on here. And then we'll run for like another 10 minutes, guys. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for uh, having me on. Enjoyed following you the past couple months and uh, learned a lot from you. Um, oh, thank you, just, man. Yeah, um, and uh, congrats on the on the baby girl, man. Oh, or the you. baby. We don't know it. We don't know it, right? Still early. Let's just hope but, it's a baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I wanted to ask about like token supplies and everything. So we talk about unlocks a lot and then like, you know, VC selling and everything. But what about some of these projects that have, you know, no hard cap on the actual max supply and they're programmed actually to inflate, you know, whether that be a accommodated validated rewards or like whatever. Um, you know, it, it seems kind of, it seems kind of crazy to have something kind of inflate into perpetuity like that. And I'm just wondering kind of what your thoughts are on that. Cause I don't really see that being talked about as much as like the VC unlocks and everything, but that just doesn't make any sense to me as to why you'd want to have a token supply just endlessly inflate. Right. I mean, I'm missing something there. <laughs> it just seems crazy. I, I don't think you are. And I'm not like a big person with alts and like all tokenomics. And, uh, you know, I have obviously an understanding of the rudiments and that immediately kind of rings, uh, that, that raises a red flag because most of this market right now is driven on the concept of scarcity and just like a basic sort of tenuous understanding of, you know, things like uh, fully diluted valuations and how market cap with respect to that is important um, when those values are really stretched and that ratio is ugly. So when you start that way, when, when something starts off on the foot that the token supply is like elastic and can increase, it just to me, it doesn't make sense how that continues to accrue value in a meaningful way when this market is so driven to find things that are more reflexive because of certain limitations with, you know, issuance, um, uh, you know, and, and float in particular and being like how many are, you know, outstanding to actually trade on exchange and in total. So that to me, that doesn't really make sense. So that's probably where maybe it does make sense if you do sort of know maybe the underpinnings or the, the mechanism at place or what the, you know, got to remember like a lot of this stuff might not necessarily have, might not necessarily be something that is, you know, should be trade worthy to begin with, or, you know, maybe it's something that really is, is not built to accrue value in like the standard sense, but I don't know, I guess that sounds kind of, kind of uh, weird to say, but yeah, to me that that's not something I, I would look at and go like, Oh yeah, this seems like a good idea to put money into it. Something that continues to just like dilute. Right. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I guess in the same sense, could that theoretically be kind of a similarly good, you know, kind of short opportunity to say, okay, what one of these tokens are just literally inflating into oblivion. Like you said, they, they stay on exchanges forever, you know, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if that token issuance and inflation finds its way onto exchanges and it's not like that it's kind of like locked up or something. Um, but even knowing that it's like a locked up, it, the overhang is over, always still there and it's kind of like always at the forefront. So yeah, that, that has been like the game for the last couple months is, you know, a, a lot of like the, the groups I'm in, they're like the bread and butter has been to identify specifically when unlocks are occurring, patterns of behavior with these unlocks. Um, so anything that stands to be in a certain situation like that, where there's more supply coming into the market, especially now is obviously it's like the worst time for that to happen. Those kind of things can get absorbed, obviously in a bull market. Right. Um, but in a bear market, that just, it spells trouble. So. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, I mean, I guess just from like a tech standpoint, you know, I'm not sure how kind of deep you get into like these altcoin things. Like you said, if you're not super into like the altcoin tech, uh, tokenomics, but in you know, and what kind of like uh, like cool, like actually useful, like interesting tech? Do you think that crypto could be a use case to the point where it's like investable and not just something that's like on the back end and it's involved in like a regular company? Like, is there a situation 
you know, that we can maybe look for during this bear, you know, when we're trying to find value, like, do you see anything cool that's, that's actually using crypto in like a useful way that's similar to how we're used to it now? I mean, honestly, like I'm definitely not a technocrat or savvy. Like I'm as good as I took a course in Python two years ago and I didn't follow up on it and I know how to use my iPhone. <laughs> but um, there are things that like, not for nothing, like new ideas. So like new tech always starts off and moves way too fast for the tech to actually catch up. So it's always like the Gardner hype cycle where, you know, there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of you know, uh, expectations that are built in and the price well overshoots that. And then it's a time for the tech to actually catch up. And it's kind of like ICOs in 2016, 2017, like clearly got well ahead of white papers because white papers were all they had. Um, there are things right now that did that too, like NFTs, honestly, like there's that definitely a, a, a role and a value to be found by integrating NFTs in, you know, in more ways than just, art and ownership uh, or rather art, but like ownership too, like whether it's like, you know, uh, real estate title deed, um, uh, identification, um, you know, you could have it so that certain vintage, like you think of all different ways, like a wine company for certain vintages to verify uh, their NFTs definitely overshot what would be like reasonable, I guess, purpose because art became like JPEGs and, and Microsoft paint drawings started trading for, you know, six figures, seven figures, but that definitely, um, definitely has a, has a role to play. It's just, it's definitely right now it's, it's like stretched, stretched really far from, from what it, um, what it likely will end up being used for. I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty of, it'll be art too, but it's not my point. Uh, and then it's like crypto clearly has a use case in our traditional financial system, which is really old. Um, I mean, the one thing that's like faster and more efficient legacy is, is HFT. So, you know, the trading from just a microstructure standpoint is like miles ahead than it is in crypto, but from a plumbing standpoint, like clearing, um, settlement, uh, just money transferring, right. To like transferring money. I mean, this goes a lot, this kind of infringes on government. Right. By you being able to kind of like move freely, it's something that they definitely don't you know, necessarily want. But you could see how that is kind of transformational. Um, and then, you know, it, when it comes to like a lot of the new protocols that were like just farming and, and about yield generation, a lot of that stuff is just like casinos and then bridges to connect to other casinos. So there's definitely uh there's definitely ways that that, you know, can be integrated in a traditional financial system. Um, I definitely don't have the uh, wherewithal as to how that would be right now, but it's very innovative, obviously. The problem is like, it's very difficult to, you know, before the Luna thing, um, traditional money managers, asset managers, uh, like anyone serious, not like just fast money and hedge funds that are speculating on anything. One of the, reasons for them to not necessarily get involved in crypto or dip too deeply in is because of, you know, they just, they consider smart contract risk. I, I do too. Like I didn't put any money in, in Luna or UST. Thank God. Um, I, I traded. Oh, it. I did. I got wrecked. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. I traded it, but I never, I, I always looked at UST. I watched the first thing I ever saw on it was the defiant YouTube channel. It's a great YouTube channel. The guy who does all the videos, he was actually an actor. He's, you know, he's learned about crypto in the time being, but they're incredible videos, very educational, very informative, but he did a whole hour long video originally on UST. And I remember, you know, the, 
um, 20% yield on uh, Terra. Um, and I remember hearing that and thinking like that, no, that, that doesn't happen. That, 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 that happens in crypto because you're, you know, you're forgetting that by being here, you're already taking a lot of risks, right? So it's not free. It's just, that's the risk you're, that is risk premium. And you're already like taking a bunch of steps to get to that point that most people would not like locking up your money in someone else's creation that is, you know, built, uh, is it comprises smart contracts that you don't even know how to explain. So I looked at that and I thought like, no fucking way would I put any real money in that. It's like, it's one mess up away from, you know, something happening. Right. So there's a lot of absent the, what happened with Luna and, and that whole like crazy negative feedback loop that anyone could really see when they read the, the actual, uh, the paper on it. It's even easier in hindsight, honestly. But whenever I looked at it, I thought, well, no, in a dropping market, like after it crashed, I was looking at it and thinking like in a market where everything's dropping, everyone's just going to be trying to free up to get to, to cash. No one's going to be thinking like, oh, let me, let me keep my Luna or um, let me stay exposed. Like, right. So that was just kind of like a, a meltdown waiting to happen. But that um, that's what scares a lot of legacy types. And without them wanting to get involved, like you could see that a lot of the innovation kind of dies on the vine because you just don't have the supporters that you need um, to really begin to integrate it. So, I mean, I'm sure there are a million different individual protocols and, and um, you know, projects that have very niche value propositions and specific things that they're problems they're solving. I mean, that's everything, right? Like tech is, what you want to do is identify a problem that a lot of people have and you want to solve it, whether you want to solve a problem or make people's lives more convenient or make something work better. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of that, but I just, I don't, I'm definitely not a fundamentals guy in this space. I just believe in reflexivity and, and momentum and, um, and that's really it here for now. But I mean, I see Bitcoin's value proposition uh, or its potential, but right now we're correlated to equity. So who cares? Right. Yeah. And on the, on the last guy's uh, or the, the last conversation you had, you're talking about like, where's the new money going to be coming in from? I mean, how much of an impact would like the spot ETF be if that went through like, you know, in the next month or so, would that really have that much of, a, of an impact kind of aside from just like, uh, you know, sort of hype and just volatility or, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't think, I don't know necessarily think so. It's like timing is very important. If it was bull market, then yeah, the market would rip because everyone would, you know, think that that's really important. But right now it's like, there are other spot ETFs across the globe. Um, you know, we're waiting, waiting for one that's, you know, the United States, but they haven't had a, a very meaningful material impact. There's a lot of things you could buy. You could just buy crypto, right? Crypto is, you know, of course, spot ETF makes it more accessible to, to you know, to legacy portfolio managers and, and traditional types. But there are a lot of people that own crypto already that are big players in that space and they own it off balance sheet. And, and you know, we already, already see them in the price. Um, and then you also have like things that are kind of already ETFs, like MicroStrategy is basically an ETF. So it's basically a spot BT. It's basically a BTC ETF. Right. So by proxy, it is. Um, and you don't see like people, yeah, you have a bunch of money that actually got in based on that to gain exposure to crypto, but at the same time, it's like not enough, obviously, because there's more supply that came into the market that was able to overwhelm all that. So I don't think right now it would have a, a meaningful effect. I think it's an inevitable thing, but, um, better save it for a bull market when it has more of an impact. Maybe that's the SEC strategy all along with, uh, postponing grayscales or just waiting for a, the right market. Possible. They want to clean up a lot, though. They want to clean up because 
you know, one of the issues with BTC is like, all right, so you're going to have a, and this is why it would not work as a currency. It's like, you're going to have something that is owned by like, uh, if, you know, you look at like the top accounts and, you know, some of them are clearly dormant, but we're going to have like the whole financial future based on maybe this person wakes up one day and they're like, ah, I'm going to sell everything. And that would, you know, have a massive impact on the market. And that's a big unknown. And it's not just that it's, it's the ton of exchanges that are, you know, unregulated that are still popping up every day. Uh, and they can't do anything about that. So it's very difficult to like make a regulated market around a product where the product has so much price discovery that's based on exchanges and, you know, it's based on exchanges that they don't even have control over. So. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I'm a hop. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. All right, man. Enjoy your weekend. Sure. All right, guys, I'm probably going to wrap it up. Um, it's going on an hour. If, uh, if you guys, uh, ever want to hop on like the meantime, like if you ever have intention of hopping on, just like go up in the queue so I could see that, um, you have intention because otherwise I'm going to wrap it up. I'm just going through the, uh, going through the comments. Um, uh, I don't, yeah, so I don't really focus too much on news, board ape news. Um, and I also don't really focus on TA specifically, like the T, you know, technical analysis, quote unquote. TA gets like uh, overly emphasized, the importance of TA gets overly emphasized. I, I'm more focused on actual positioning and flows. Market structure falls under TA, but um, TA is obviously backward looking and it's not prescriptive, it's descriptive uh lacrosse concussion yeah concussions suck um yeah i think uh i think we're gonna wrap it up guys <clears throat> all right it's been a pleasure thank you guys for joining as always uh make sure you subscribe if you're not following on twitter you know i don't know what to tell you that'd be weird if you followed me here and you didn't follow me on twitter uh have a fantastic weekend though and i will talk to you on tuesday